Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, you've seen pictures. They are going to debate today, or they're going to have the vote on the Steve Bannon contempt charges. Now, if I were to tune in to the House right now, what I would, what would I hear? generation opportunity to change this paradigm while supporting a tenuous economic recovery by making transformative investments in America. I'd hear blah, 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 the standard congressional nonsense. The question before us is, if they are going to just vote on Bannon, or are they going to debate it? Now, if they debate Bannon... On the floor of the house, I have to hear it. I have to hear all of it. It could be amazing. Or it'll be just nothing and they'll have a vote. But of course, they're going to hold Steve Bannon in contempt. This isn't an argument. This is exactly what's happening. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is the January 6th committee doing their little thing, saying that this is terrible and that is terrible and the other is terrible and your mom is terrible and we have to do something about it. So we're going to say, hey, Steve Bannon, you have to answer our questions. And Steve Bannon was like, and I'm quoting here, I'm not going to listen to you. So now they're going to hold him in contempt. Their argument is that Steve Bannon was responsible, absolutely positively responsible for what happened on January 6th, when this, of course, is not true. If you want to argue that Steve Bannon said things like, oh, this day is going to change history. Well, you, you're... you're um, you 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 you've you've got hyperbole. It's like we're gonna fight like hell. How many times the Democrats said fight like hell? It's what they say. It's absolutely positively what they say. It's not that people think there's gonna be absolute violence or actual violence. No, no one thinks this. No rational person thinks this. But they think, oh, he had something to do with it. It's like with Trump and how Trump does not want his private emails uh, being made public. He believes he has privilege over them. Liz Cheney has made the claim that because Donald Trump is doing this, well, that just proves that he's clearly involved in the events of January 6th. That's a frightening proposition from Liz Cheney. And losing respect for Liz Cheney is happening by the second. You're going to make the claim that because Donald Trump doesn't want to show you something and wants to go through a court procedure to find out if he has to, it proves he's guilty? What kind of Stalinist insanity is this? Liz Cheney does not deserve your respect. 
if she had just wanted to say, I think the president was wrong, if she just wanted to say January 6th was disgusting, if she wanted to say, we should hold these people in disre- with, with, with disrespect, that'd be fine. That would be fine. But when she makes statements like this one right here, I mean, it's just, it's just flat out madness. From a number of my colleagues in the last several days who say they, quote, just don't want this target on their back. They're just trying to keep their heads down. They don't want to anger Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, who has been especially active in attempting to block the investigation of events of January 6th, despite the fact that he clearly called for such a commission the week after the attack. I ask each one of you to step back from the brink. I urge you to do what you know is right, to think of the long arc of history. Anytime they talk about the long arc of history, you know you're in for for a deep one. You just said that the president not giving you information is proof that he's guilty. You're the one who said it. Don't lecture to us. Are you out of your mind? Now, I know what you're saying. Um, there are there are things out there bigger than this. Oh, you better believe there are things out there bigger than this. Inflation is one of the things out there that is bigger than this. If you missed Jim Cramer on CNBC just yesterday, yeah, I mean, look, I think Paul Peter Jones, is, as always, is right about inflation. It's much worse than we thought. Uh, I keep hoping that capacity will come on and make it so that it's not as bad, but it just can't seem to come on as fast enough. I mean, for instance, I was going over with my friend Frank Mitch, uh, who's got his own firm about chemicals, and it's just unbelievable. Uh, Fermium's using numbers that are just astounding and makes you feel like that Proctor is not going to be able to get out of the jam. Proctor being the one that yesterday yeah. that focused most on on in. in, in the inflation is worse than you think. Procter and Gamble are focusing now on what prices they're going to have to raise in order to counter the inflation. Inflation makes prices go up. Inflation is a tax. This is where America is at. I asked people to share with me what they're paying for gas, what it's taking to fill uh, the tank of their car because this is where people are really feeling it. And some polling that was done by Fox shows that, what is it, 83%? 83% of Americans are worried about inflation. I'm sorry, 84%. And rising gas prices. Gas prices are insane compared to where they were which is why you have to have energy independence and we can't be reliant on other nations. And if you say, well, this is the argument for electric vehicles, it's not the argument for electric vehicles because the electricity still has to be generated and that's very often happening from sources that utilize the, what are, do, they, do they still call them the fossil fuels? Are we still those people? Well, I have no problem with electric. America has bought into the concept of electric. The electricity needs to get powered somehow. What are we talking about? What are we pretending for? We shouldn't do that.
What we cannot pretend is that we're not paying more. We are all paying more. By the way, people have been posting photos of what they've been paying at the, at the pump on, on my Twitter feed, at Tony Katz, T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. We're seeing it in food as we have discussed. Wait till we see it in the heat, what it costs to heat your home. Because those numbers are projected to go up. Very hard to win elections when people are paying more for gas and more to keep their family warm and safe. As winter comes. Very, very difficult to do. And I, and I, and I understand that the Democratic Party is, is fully aware of this. But is the Democratic Party fully aware about how their messaging has fallen so incredibly flat? In order to, I mean, I, I don't know where I, I, I should start. I was going to start one place, but I, I forgot that we're still getting this lie from Speaker Pelosi and from Joe Biden. Better future for workers, their families, and their children. Creating good-paying jobs, giving a tax cut, a big tax cut to the middle class, lowering costs for families, and making the wealthiest make, let the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. So this legislation will be paid for. In fact, it may be more than paid for. Again, it's transformative, it's historic, it's life-changing, and it will pass soon. It's not paid for. Why does she keep saying it's paid for when it's clearly not paid for? If it's $3.5 trillion, it has to get paid for somehow. You already said it's being paid for by taxes, and Joe Biden made the promise that no one over $400,000 or under $400,000 a year will be paying more. But it is very, very obvious to the people who pay attention, which is us, that prices are going to go up, that it's going to require that we pay. This is Glenn Kessler. He does the fact check over at the Washington Post. Uh, we have spoken unkindly about Glenn Kessler in the past. And he's re responding to a tweet about how Senator Cinema is opposed to tax increases on corporations and high earners. Democrats are still haggling over a number of issues, climate change, Medicare expansion, revenue raisers, increasing the SALT deduction. Now, do we all understand what the SALT deduction is? The SALT deduction, which got removed under President Trump, was a way that wealthy people were able to engage their taxes to pay less. So when you want to bring back SALT deductions, what you're saying is we want to be able to give rich people a break. That's what we want to do. SALT stands for state and local de tax deduction, or state and local tax, SALT. So when you have a cap on SALT, you're saying there's only so much that you can deduct, you got to pay the taxes on the rest, which made the rich people, wait for it, pay their fair share.
Now you have Democrats who want to increase the SALT deduction, giving the rich people more that they can write off so they pay less. That's a weird spot for Democrats to be in, but that's the spot that they're in. Glenn Kessler points out if you have no new taxes on the wealthy or corporations and you're going to increase the deduction for SALT, the White House may soon have to retire the misleading claim that the spending bill will cost $0. The spending bill is going to cost you and me and we and us. And yet they continue to lie about it again and again and again and again. So much so is this floundering by the Democratic Party this back and forth, this nonsense, and you have Speaker Pelosi constantly complaining that the problem is the press aren't doing their job. So yesterday morning, you said some of the reporting about what was in and out of the bill was not accurate. Is that because this bill is still in flux, and does this have to be pre-baked with the Senate before you present it? Does everything have to be nailed down with the Senate and with Manchin and Senate? Whatever it is you think I said, what I was saying is that instead of covering what is in the bill, uh, you all seem to be on a jag about a few people. Ninety-six percent of the House and Senate Democrats support the president's proposal. You would never know that to see the reporting in it. But that's your, that's your work. You do yours. We do ours. Uh, it's their fault. It's the press's fault that they may actually be reporting that the Democrats are in disarray. You tried $3.5 trillion, you couldn't get it through the Senate. And in retribution, the House scuttled $1.2 trillion. Now you're looking at a $1.9 trillion plan that you don't even call infrastructure now. You call it social spending. Oh, okay. In the meantime, if you want to know how bad it is, how really bad it is for the Democrats, Don Lemon is yelling at them. I'm going to make sure I have their attention. I'm going to tell them what is in the bill. I'm going to tell them what I'm selling that is going to help them and everybody in red America and everybody in blue America and all Americans. I'm not just going to sit back and expect the news media to do it for me because it's not our job to sell the narrative. It's our job to discuss what you are doing. And yes, part of what's in it, but it's not our job to sell your agenda for you. They are not selling their agenda. And the only reason that I am so enthusiastic about this is because our democracy is on the line. I don't want America to lose its democracy. I don't want America to be a country of minority rule. And I don't want America to be a place where black and brown people like me, whose ancestors fought and died for the right to vote, are restricted from going to the voting booth. That is the most un-American thing to do. So I have this platform that I have now, and I'm speaking very passionate about it. Democrats, get your butts in gear and get passionate about saving this damn country. You're not doing it. You're weak. You are weak. You are weak. I guess the press doesn't want to be told that they're not, that they're responsible for what's going wrong. By the way, Don Lemon, no one is keeping black people from getting to the polls. It's a lie. You shouldn't spread lies. It's pretty gross. It's pretty, leave leave that to the administration. Don't, don't be a part of it yourself, Don. Man, it is disarray. But for us, it's real dollars. And this is getting worse. Should I share another used car story? All right. 
I will. That's coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So a little bit later, I'm going to share with you some of what happened in the Merrick Garland hearing. This is the Attorney General. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. And the Attorney General, it, it was it was interesting because you really got to see this breakdown of where both parties are going. Uh, in in. In their, in their thoughts on, on what matters most to the American people and how they can win an election. Uh, Democrats focused on January 6th. Republicans focused, of doing- Republicans focused on, sorry about that, the idea of uh, parents being able to speak out about what's going on in schools and how Merrick Garland called them domestic terrorists, even though he has said multiple times he is not calling them domestic terrorists. This was just a little bit of Representative Johnson of Louisiana. Of parents to complain about the kinds of... I under, understand your position on, on the free speech of position. parents. It, it is wait, wait just a minute. The, the question is, the question is, the thing that has concerned many of those parents that are showing up at these school board meetings, the, the, the very basis of their objection and their vigorous debate, as you mentioned earlier, is the curricula, the very curricula that your son-in-law is selling. So to millions of Americans, I mean, my constituents, I was home all weekend, I got an earful about this. They're very concerned about that. Subpart E of that federal regulation says an employee of the executive branch is discouraged from encouraging con- engaging in conduct that's likely to affect the financial interest of someone close to them. Your, your son-in-law, your daughter, uh, clearly meets that definition. And, and so the question is, uh, did, did you follow that regulation? Did you have the appropriate agency ethic official look into this? Did you seek guidance as the federal regulation requires? This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats of violence. I understand There's that, but no did, did you see, excuse me, did you seek ethics counsel before you issued a letter that directly relates to the financial interest of your family? Yes or no? This memorandum does not relate to... The- he wouldn't answer. That's what it looks like to me. So there is that family connection. But now they're going to be, Republicans are showing you that what parts of it they're going after, which is all of it. Merrick Garland connected personally and, of course, siding with the idea that parents are terrorists, which they're not. I'm Tony Katz. I know there's a desire for Netflix to get backlash for the Dave Chappelle series, but it isn't coming as long as Netflix actually holds and says, look, we believe that people are allowed to speak their minds here. We see this as valuable, and we're going to continue to let people like Dave Chappelle engage comedy series that everyone, has everyone talking, has everyone talking about Netflix, that people like to watch, even the people who may not agree with them. Tony Katz.
Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. Here's the question. Did you drop Netflix because of Dave Chappelle? And could you explain in 30 seconds or less why? That's my question. 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. That's the question. But there are people out there in the woke world who believe that what's going to happen is that Netflix is going to become a stigma brand. If that's the case, they will lose employees to their competitors. And then they'll hire other people. What are you talking about? A stigma brand. To whom? Let's use Nike as an example. Could we agree that Nike, for siding with somebody as despicable as Colin Kaepernick, is a stigma brand? The answer is we could. But as producer Ari pointed out better than anybody I've met, to whom? You may see Nike as siding with somebody who is awful. And I'll put forth to you, I think Colin Kaepernick is an awful cat. He's entitled to a position uh, to, to, to speak his mind. But this isn't a guy who's talking about police brutality. This is a guy who sides with communists. This is a guy who hates cops. He has cops, uh, cartoon cops as pigs on his socks. This is a hateful cat. And when you learn about his own family history and uh, a mom who is white and a dad who is black, I believe that's how it goes, um, you wonder where he, where he's actually coming from. Because it would seem that his life is different than what he's pushing. Now, what he's pushing could be a valuable conversation about how we do things in America and a need to examine those things, which I have no issue with. But when you decide that America is hateful and bigoted, again, I say to you, people who call America racist are, of course, wrong. It is pure ignorance. It is pure hate. It is disease-filled, as opposed to noting there may be issues or there may be racists in the nation. Racists exist. Anti-Semites exist in the nation. My gosh, we call some of them the squad. But the, the idea that the nation is built on this, that it's all it does, it's baked into the fabric. And just because I don't favor uh, equal outcomes doesn't make me a bigot. Let's not be silly. Now, as we said, there's a lot going on about Steve Bannon and, and the uh, contempt charges and it's in front of the in front of the house so the house is debating it and i believe this is the representative from pennsylvania right now talking about it so i wanted to bring it up real quick of this of the select committee subpoena on a private citizen it is a this is a very narrow legal issue and what the courts have said is the courts have held that congress has the power to secure information and i quote in order to legislate end quote so in other words, Congress's subpoena authority is valid only if it relates to the furtherance of a legitimate task of Congress. Now, according to the Select Committee's own press release, the committee is attempting to tell a story and to find out what happened that day. But the courts have already determined that that is not a valid legislative purpose. In the 1957 decision, Watkins versus the United States, the court held that Congress has, and I quote, no general authority to expose the private affairs of individuals without justification in terms of functions of Congress, end quote. 
Additionally, that the court went on in that case to say Congress cannot investigate private citizens for, quote, the sake of exposure, end quote. So then what is the legislative purpose before us today? What's the legislative purpose of a subpoena on a private citizen, including 11 individuals who merely filed and were granted permits to exercise their First Amendment rights to assemble and to petition the government? This cannot be perceived as an investigation and still fit within the framework of case law. And again, let's be clear. The law is crystal clear here. If Congress does not have a legitimate legislative function, they simply cannot subpoena a private individual. So that's uh, Representative Ruskenthaler. He's out of Pennsylvania, who I believe was uh, a lawyer in the military, uh, making his case for why the select committee can't even subpoena Steve Bannon regarding what happened January 6th. They don't have the power to do it. That's his argument. I don't know if it's going to get him anywhere, but that's his argument. So Nike could very well be a, 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 a brand that people see as stigma because they support Colin Kaepernick. But Colin Kaepernick's fans don't see it that way. They see it as a plus. They see it as powerful, and they buy more of the Nike gear. So we saw the Nike price go down, the stock for a blip, and then boom, right back up. So the idea of stigma brand is somebody wants to explain it and try and push this idea that uh, Netflix will be a stigma brand because they allow Dave Chappelle in his special The Closer to make fun of transgender people, which isn't really what he did. But if you're not in full-on compliance with everything the transgender woke world tells you to be in compliance with, you are, of course, a bigot. And he's like, yeah, yeah, F that. This is the inner monologue going on right now, as we speak, in Dave Chappelle's head. F these people. That's basically what he's saying. Nike's a stigma brand to some. Netflix will be a stigma brand to some. But what's really happening here is that Netflix didn't fold. And that Netflix didn't fold has got the woke very upset because they're used to the fold. That's what you do. They get upset, you fold, they win, next. And when you don't fold, they're like, whoa, 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 these guys aren't folding. Okay, everybody get a little louder. They're they're still not folding? All right, full-on screaming. So much so, they staged a walkout at Netflix. The, the, The transgender employees and those who support them. One guy showed up with a sign that says, I like Dave. He has himself a wooden stick. He's got the sign stapled to it. I like Dave. They ripped the sign out of his hand and destroyed it and physically pushed him back and tried to keep him from speaking. At one moment, there's one person, like, banging their fists together, their hands together in front of this guy's face. You would have thought it was a Native American against Nicholas Sandman. Trying to stop him from speaking. He shouldn't be allowed a voice. He shouldn't be allowed a chance to speak. This is what the woke people believe. This is what the so-called decent people believe. These are the good people, according to them. But they'll never question whether or not they create a stigma to their own brand, which you and I both know they have done. Now, speaking of brands... Let us be clear that Congressman Matt Gates has a brand. 
And as we all know, producer Ari loves him some Matt Gates. He's the worst person. Loves him some Matt Gates. Actually, uh, Ari is trying to grow out the Matt Gates haircut right now. Some people call it the Rachel. Uh, uh, Ari likes the Gates. And he goes to the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, and he says, uh, you know, thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak because, well... I thank the gentleman for yielding because I think someone may be trying to kill me, and if they are successful, I would like my constituents and my family to know who stopped their arrest. Madam Producer Ari, have you heard this? No. This is the floor of the United States House of Representatives where Matt Gates, Congressman Florida, is claiming someone's trying to kill him. I thank the gentleman for yielding because I think someone may be trying to kill me, and if they are successful, I would like my constituents and my family to know who stopped their arrest. Madam Speaker, on October 8th, 2021, a Twitter handle uh, styled CIA Bob is at your door tweeted to at Rep Matt Gates. I don't think I could play the rest. I'm not sure if he curses in here. I forget. I forget. Um, this is, is interesting in that I've never understood the death threat. And you see them sometimes on social media. I have never, I have gotten threats of violence. I have gotten things that I could perceive as a threat. People playing in that world. Um, but I've never gotten the the, the, the full-out, I'm going to come for your family. I, I've never gotten one of those. I find that the women in radio and, and, and in, in content get far more of those than the men. Far more of those. Because the people who send that stuff are, are, are cowards, and they think that women are easier targets. That's, that's how it usually plays out. I think it's an interesting thing to, thing to bring to the floor of the House if only because it does bring up the idea that we are are very much losing the ability to engage. We're losing the ability to have a conversation in a rational way, or or it's already lost. I get that Producer Ari doesn't like Matt Gates. Producer Ari doesn't think people should be sending death threats to Congressman Gates. There's the difference. There's the difference. He doesn't like the guy. He thinks the guy's a buffoon. He's got names for Matt Gates you've never heard of before. Doesn't think Matt Gates should be sent death threats. I don't like Ilhan Omar. I think she's bad on policy. I think she's an anti-Semite. I do not think Representative Ilhan Omar should be sent death threats. And I think that people who do should be put in jail. There's the difference. Civility is not about liking the other person. It's never been about that. Civility is about recognizing that the other person has rights even if you don't like them. That's where we need to be. And that is not where we are. Civility is letting people speak in the public square. Let me go back to this Merrick Garland conversation today, the Attorney General. And I'm going to I'm going to share a whole bunch 
a little bit later. Because I, I wanted you to hear our opening statements. I want to hear some of the things, the back and forth. It's a, I always feel that, you know, I can bring it to you, but when we hear it together, we all know the basis from where we're coming from. So when others try to manipulate the language, we already know, ah, hey, right. Well, Merrick Garland is asked about targeting parents uh, as domestic terrorists. First sentence of your memo, the very first, first sentence, you said, in recent months, there's been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, threats of violence. Yes. When did you first review the data showing this so-called disturbing uptick? So I read the letter, and we have been seeing over time threats. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't ask you. So you read the letter. That's, that's your source? So let me be clear. This is not a prosecution or an Is there some study, some effort, some investigation someone did that said there's been a disturbing uptick, or you just take the words of the National School Board Association? Well, the National School Board Association, which represents thousands of school boards and school board members, says that there are these kind of threats. When we read in the newspapers reports of threats of violence, when that is in the context of threats of violence, the source all, for this, for the very first line in your in your memo, time of the gentleman has expired. Was the school the board's time association of the gentleman letter expired, Mr. Deutsch? That was Gerald Nadler interrupting Congressman Jim Jordan. Never mind the failure that is Merrick Garland and the radical leftist that he is. If you make the determination that because parents get loud, they're not allowed to speak, that is the lack of civility that means a society cannot go on. Which is why I say these school board members can resign. But you'll note, nowhere did I say that these school board members should be attacked, threatened, abused. I don't believe in any of that. But if you tell me I can't raise my voice, well, then you're too special of a flower to be on the school board. You gotta go. That's all. That's all there is. Matt Gates shouldn't get death threats, and I, I haven't seen the specific thing that he's he's referring to. School board members shouldn't be threatened. Members of the squad or people on the political left or the political right shouldn't get death threats. It's nonsense, and it keeps us from more valuable, important things, because when the death threats go out, They're able to then retreat to, we need special protections, they shouldn't be allowed to do this, we have to curtail your rights, we have to protect this one, and you get a weaker, worse society. Civility is not about liking people. It's not even about caring about people. It's about recognizing that there have to be rules for the road. Without the rules, we are lost. We are doomed. Without the recognition that free speech matters most, even for people you don't like, and they're allowed to speak, what society do we have? The answer is we have none. We have none. Do we think that a member of Congress is somehow more valuable or more important than Dave Chappelle? I don't think so. Let me make it a little more personal. Should anybody be allowed to tell me what I can and cannot say on the air? Any outside group, any outside force, any inside group or inside force? I'm hired to do a job. And outside of seven dirty words and pushing acts of violence, I'm allowed to engage. We all are, and we have to. The civility thing is a big deal. And we are losing the ability to engage it. I'm Tony Katz.
I love the fact that Biden gave a speech and MSNBC pulled away from it. They're like, we're done listening to this. It's going to help more people. We've been listening back. to President Biden here pitching that Build Back Better plan. We've been covering quite a It's not a Build Back Better plan, though. They're now calling it a social spending bill. This is a fantastic switcheroo. They couldn't get infrastructure passed. So now they got a whole new name, a whole new plan of attack. I will get into that. Condoleezza Rice on critical race theory. And do I pronounce his name Inez Cantor? Enos Cantor. Enos. Well, he ain't afraid of China. I have all those stories coming up. Keep it right here on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today.